the best real estate investing advice when it comes to wholesaling, I would say, when you're getting really large checks to definitely have the funds wired. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. With us today, Neva Williamson. How you doing, Neva? I'm great. I'm great. Well, nice to have you on the show and looking forward to getting to know you a little bit about Neva. She is the managing partner of a consulting company, an active real estate investor. She's the best-selling author of Blood, Sweat, and Goals, Finding Your Way as an Entrepreneur. She's a graduate of George Washington University. She's based in Washington, D.C., and you can say hi to her at her website, timeforinvesting.com. With that being said, Neva, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? Oh, sure. Well, as far as real estate, I'll start with at least my exposure to it. Originally, when I was a little kid, my parents had rental properties, and I just really more thought that was something that everyone did. I didn't really look at it as investing or anything like that. And so I more went like the traditional route of my parents are West Indian and really into education. So I went and got my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. And I was like doing consulting and doing really well. And then I thought in 2006, oh, I should get a rental property because I thought that's just what everyone does. So I did that. And then I was doing that for a couple of years. And then one day, I think I read like Rich Dad, Poor Dad or something. Mm -hmm. I read that. And then I started like 
thinking about like doing more. And then I started actually wholesaling property on the side of my full-time job. Okay. I think I started maybe around 2010 or so, just doing it on the side. And then I had a baby in 2011. Congrats. And I went back to, (laughs) thank you. I went back to work nine weeks after I had her and I had just gotten like a really great review and um, my boss had called me in and said, you know, the client really loves you. Will you do like some business development to help us grow the company? And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. So I go in and then like the next day I get called in. So I thought it was to finalize everything, like my new salary and everything. And he goes, oh, the funding for your position was pulled, and Friday's your last day. (laughs) And I just was like, (laughs) so I'm like, what? Like, you know, that was like the complete opposite of our last conversation. (laughs) So So that's what happened. So as luck would have it, I ended up closing a wholesaling deal. It was either the same week I got laid off or the week afterwards, and it was for $40,000. So that was the first time that I said, you know, I need to take this real estate more seriously because it basically just saved me right now because I was going to go from making six figures to nothing. So, I, you know, and I wasn't prepared. I just had a baby. I had just used a lot of my savings. So... So that's when I really started taking it seriously and saying this is a business and I started doing it like full time and just really grinding and just taking it seriously, just investing and studying and reading and just doing everything, just marketing, just really saying, you know, this is my business. I'm going to take control. I'm never going to let this happen to me again type of thing. So that's like my story of really how I got into real estate investing. Mm-hmm. That's inspiring. And it's, certainly a lesson in how when we're not in control of our financial future as a W-2 employee, regardless of the feedback that we're receiving or the perceived stability that the company has, we're ultimately at the mercy of the employer. Yes, exactly. That happened in 2011. You've been, yeah, that was 2011. Have you you been wholesaling full-time ever since? And is that your primary way of making money? Well, I do wholesaling and I also do rentals. So I do both. Those are the primary things that I would say for real estate because the rentals are more like long-term or if it cash flows, but the wholesaling is where I can more make like a a large sum of money at once. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, that 2006 property you bought at a tough time now that we have hindsight in what happened in 2008. How's that 2006 property doing? What was the purchase price and was it rent for? Oh, well, that property I did well. I bought that property for 300 something thousand at the time. Like I did really good with that. At the time when I purchased it, it was worth 600,000. I've probably put maybe about 50,000 into it. So I still have it and that property is doing great. So yeah, I did good on my first rental. So it's all in, you're at 350000 What is it worth today? It's probably worth about seven something today. Okay. It's a multi-unit. It's four units. And the two bedrooms rent for 1600 The one bedrooms rent for 1200 Oh, cool. So it's a four unit. Were you living in it? No, actually, I ended up hearing about the property from a family member. 
So that, that's the thing. A lot of my family has rental property. So they would always hear like sometimes like, oh, you know, you should buy this. So that's what I'm saying. I never really looked at rentals as like investing because that was just, I think everyone in my family at least has one rental property, I would say. So it's just kind of it's what you do. something that we all yeah, so yeah. that's why I'm saying I just didn't really look at it as, oh, I'm investing in real estate. I just looked at it as, oh, it's time for me to get my rental type of thing. Uh-huh. So how many two bedrooms and how many one bedrooms for that one? It has three two bedrooms and one one bedroom. And what'd you say the one bedroom rents for? Twelve hundred. Twelve hundred plus sixteen hundred times three, that's six thousand dollars. Divided by three hundred and fifty thousand. Wow, you're at the one point seven percent of rent to all in ratio. What type of area is it in? It's in New York City, actually. So that's why it's doing so well. Oh, cool. What part? In Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. What part of Brooklyn? It's in East Flatbush, Brooklyn, New York. Oh man, I used to live on the corner of Church and Nostrand. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I knew you were back in New York, but I didn't know you were in Brooklyn, actually. Because, yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn. Yep. I lived at Church in Nostrand. I was about two blocks away from the Church Avenue stop on the two train. Yeah, and where I grew up, I'm off the number, well, was off the number three train. Where's this property relative to where the subway stop, Church Avenue, two line? The two line, because it's all the nearest, because it's, you know, where it's close to Brookdale Hospital. Okay, got it. It's the closest thing. I'm trying to think, yeah. Yeah, that's a good reference point. So you've got this four unit in Brooklyn in East Flatbush. You live in Washington, D.C., but you're from Brooklyn. Where were you living in 2006? What city? I was still down here in the D.C. area. You're in D.C., so why'd you buy in New York? Because that's where my family was like, hey, there's this deal. You should buy this property. Mm. So that's why I ended up finding it. Have you had to evict anyone? Because the one downside to New York City is tenants basically own the property. The owner doesn't own the property because the landlord laws are non-existent. They're all favored toward the tenant. So how has that been as an owner in New York? That I had to learn the hard way because I've done three evictions just in that building alone. And the first one was probably the hardest one I had to do because they fell behind on the rent and it was around the holidays and it was a family. And then I felt really bad putting them out around the holidays. And i never forget my dad at the time was like, you need to start the eviction process immediately. And I was like, but it's about to be Christmas. <laughs> so I didn't do it. <laughs> so I did not listen to him. And I ended up losing five months rent because between the time I delayed starting the process and then going back and forth, trying to get on a payment plan with him, by the time I got fed up and we went to court, he was five months behind. And then, like you said, the laws are very tenant-friendly. But even the judge at the time, when we went to court, the judge was like, how are you going to catch up on five months rent? So the judge put him out. So, yeah, evictions are the hard part of rentals. But I've learned now, as soon as people fall behind, I start the process. I'm like, if you can't pay the rent, you need to move. 
somewhere that you can afford the rent. So no more being nice and that's over. Mm-hmm. How do you manage collecting checks and handling maintenance requests? Well, I do QuickBooks. So all our tenants pay online on QuickBooks. We have a couple tenants that are kind of older, and so they mail it in, but I think that's only one or two. But everybody else pays through QuickBooks. And then we have some buildings where people are Section 8, so the city just pays us directly in our bank account. Okay. I was not aware that someone could pay via the QuickBooks software. Yeah, they pay directly through the QuickBooks, and it's deposited in our account in about two days. And what if someone has a maintenance request? Who do they call? Well, we have property management. In some of the buildings, what we've done is if we have, like, a handy person that lives in one of the units will just have like a reduced rent and they kind of help out more with like just little, little things that they can fix. So we'll do that. But we have like a, a property management company that my father gave me a referral for. Okay. As far as reduced rent, how do you determine how much you reduce the rent by? That's a good question because sometimes I've gone back and forth how much because, of course, they're going to say, no, it needs to be more, it needs to be more because, like, I have one now, I reduced it by $100. I thought that was a lot. And he's like, no, it needs to be more. So then I have a guy in New York, he's a real estate agent, but he has a lot of investment property. So I also spoke it over with him and he's like, no, $100 is great. So I left it at $100 reduced. So I don't really have a formula for that. <laughs> it's whatever the market will command, right? Right, because he's been there for a long time. So then I don't want to raise the rent too much. But then I'm like, okay, I don't want to discount it, you know, like a couple hundred dollars. Like, I think that would be too much. So mm-hmm. we just kind of go back and forth for now. You got that place in 2006 in Brooklyn. What else have you bought since then? As a buy and hold. Well, now we do some other properties in Brooklyn as well. And then now we also have one in Virginia. So now we're looking, we want to buy more rental property in Virginia, just so that the rest of them will be close because the traveling back and forth is a lot. Because we do end up, you know, having to go back sometimes to look because before my parents used to help a lot. They would go to the properties. But now my mom has moved to Florida, and now my dad is actually about to move. And they're older now, so Mm -hmm. they can't really go into the units as much as I would like and things like that. Okay. Virginia, because that's where you live. That's why you pick Virginia. Yeah, it just needs to be closer. And that's where I'm also wholesaling. So I've learned the area much better. I come across deals that I can do myself. So it's just better if everything is closer here. Okay. What have you noticed is the main difference between doing buy and holds in Virginia and Brooklyn? Well, Virginia is the opposite of New York. They're more pro-landlord, whereas New York is very pro-tenant. So it's like the complete opposite. Like when I tell people my rental stories in New York here, they're kind of like, what? Because that would never be allowed here. Like you can start the eviction process in Virginia as soon as people are late. And, you know, you can have them out in a couple of weeks. Whereas in New York, you know, you can end up, going back and forth with someone for a couple months. 
at minimum a couple months. Right. Because and in New York, you have to get a lawyer, you have to go to court. Whereas here, you don't have to do all that. With your wholesaling business, tell us about your last deal. My last deal, actually, it was a condo out here. I found that. How did I find that one? That one came in through my website. It was an out-of-state owner. Went back and forth with him for maybe about a month. And finally, I was able to close on that one. I made 20000 on that one. Let's talk about that. You went back and forth with him. What was the dialogue? Originally, he thought my offer was too low. So originally, he said no. And then I followed up with him again to see what number would he accept. Because originally, he wouldn't give me a number, so then I had to be the first person to come up with a number. And then when I gave him the number, he said it was too low. So then I went back to see if he would give me a number, so at least I would see how far apart we were. So when I followed up with him, he at least gave me a number, and I was like, oh, I can't go that high, because I have to have enough to have my wholesale fee, and plus, I already have a good idea how much my cash buyers are willing to pay, so I was like, okay, so then he had a tenant in the property, so he said, okay, well, just go out and take a look at the property and see if that will change your mind, because I think your offer's too low. So that actually worked out in my favor because usually I don't go out to the property until I have a signed contract. But I ended up going because I really wanted that property because I already had a buyer that was saying, if you get it at this price, I'll buy it. So I went out and it turned out to be really good that I went because when I went, it turned out the tenant, there was water damage in the unit he never caught the owner to tell the owner. Mm. So I took the picture. So when I sent the pictures now, I was telling the owner, hey, you know, there's water damage. And he's like, what are you talking about? So I emailed him the pictures, and he's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that he didn't call and tell me that there was water damage. So that worked out in my favor because then he became more lenient on the price. So that ended up being a really good deal. We closed quickly after that, and the cash buyer is happy with the property because he has a couple other rentals in that area. So that's why he was saying, if you get that property under contract, I'll definitely buy it. Two follow-up questions come to mind. One, how long did you wait until you followed up with him after your initial conversation where he said your offer was too low? A couple days. And why a couple days compared to two weeks or later that afternoon? Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes I don't want to come off too eager because it's just like a rhythm, I guess, that I follow. Sometimes it's just, I guess, what the feeling I got from the conversation because sometimes I don't want to seem too eager or too desperate for the property. Uh So I won't go back as quickly. And then, and then he was a bit irritated that my offer was so low, so I was kind of giving him time to kind of cool down. <laughs> yep. So that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it just depends on how my conversation goes and the feedback I get and, like, the tone of the conversation. So in that case, he was a bit upset. So I said, okay, I'll let him calm down, and then I'll go back. And the second question is, how did you have a buyer lined up for a property that you didn't 
have under contract? That buyer, I've been working with him a long time. He's purchased property for me before that he's never seen just because he's gotten so many deals for me that he just trusts me. And like I said, in this situation, he already has rentals in that area. So he said, look, if you get that one, I already have property over there, so I'll buy it. So definitely, he was like, if you get it for this price, I'll definitely buy it. Did you give him the address of the place? Yeah, he had the address and everything. I've been working with him for years, so he's not someone that's going to try to go around me and steal the deal or anything like that. If it was a cash buyer I wasn't really familiar with, I definitely would not do that. But I've been working with him for years, and he's purchased several properties for me. So I have a relationship with him where I can say before it's even signed, what price will you buy the property for? Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Um, Probably I would say the best real estate investing advice when it comes to wholesaling, I would say when you're getting really large checks to definitely have the funds wired because at one point like that $48,000 check I was telling you about, Uh I was like so excited about it. So I had to actually cut an actual check for that because I wanted to photocopy it and (laughs) hang it up in my wall for motivation. So I did all that and then I got to the bank and the bank teller, she looks at the check and she says she needs to call the manager and then she goes and gets the manager and she comes back and they would not accept the check because the bank manager thought the check was fake. So they would not deposit the check into my account. And this was my bank that I was banking at. I was <laughs> Did you punch him in the face? The check deposit. <laughs> well, I was in such shock. I really didn't know what to do because it was a lot of money to me. But I thought, you know, this is a really big bank that I was in. It wasn't like, you know, a little local bank. It was a big bank. So I thought, what is $40,000 to them? I didn't think they would think it was like a humongous amount. So they wouldn't take the check, and because she was saying she thought the check was fake, then I started thinking the check was fake. I was like, <laughs> what? You know, I was like, <laughs> so I called the settlement company, oh. and I spoke to the owner. I'm like, I'm at the bank, and they're saying this is a fake check. And then he's like, what? He's like, that's a real check. What are you talking about, you know? So definitely when you get big checks, have them wired. <laughs> and just with that, I would say just to surround yourself with people that are in this business because if I didn't do that, then I would I'm constantly even now encounter people that tell me that would say, oh, $40,000 is a lot, but I'm around other people that can say, Neva, you know, you can make even more than that, you know, so you really have to be around people like that that will say, oh, $40,000, that's good, but, you know, I can show you how to make $100,000. I can show you how to make $200,000. So you really need that because I still even today, after so many years, I still encounter people day to day that it just come with something negative to say. Mm -hmm. Think, if you will, about one person in your life who would say, yeah, you can do better. $40,000 is great, but you can do better. How about $100,000? How did you meet? that person? That would be my husband, unfortunately. (laughs) And I say that because (laughs) I'm more the negative person and he's more the positive person. So he kind of irritates me because 
he's always that person that's like, okay, so we did that. Now let's go do this. And I'm kind of like, okay, uh, what are you talking about? Like, like this is really big here. Let me just stay here for a while. <laughs> and he's like, no, but now, you know, you could probably do this and, you know, we could do bigger units and things like that. So, and that's the thing because I have, because then after that, that encouraged me too to follow up more with people. And from that, I ended up actually just from following up, I purchased five houses from one owner because I kept following up with him. I kept following up and saying, well, are you interested in selling another property? Are you interested in selling another property? You know, to the point that I ended up buying five from him. So it's just really good, like I said, to have that encouragement. I would like to learn more about the five houses from one owner because of your follow-up. How frequently did you follow up in on the first couple follow-ups, what did the owner tell you? Sometimes he would just be upset. He's like, you just purchased one. What are you talking about? Can you buy another one? No. So sometimes I would follow up every three months or so with him. Like we would close and I would say, hey, you know, I'm just calling. I'm just following up to see how everything's going. And then I would just say, hey, you know, I know you have other property. You know, are you thinking about selling any of those? How much would you sell? one of those four or like, you know, Christmas comes, I'll just send him a card and then I'll just call and say, Hey, I'm just calling to see if you received the card. And then, you know, Hey, by the way, are you, you know, has anything changed? Are you thinking about selling? So just different things that I would do. And I just kept following up and following up and following up. And then sometimes he would get upset with me, but then sometimes he would call me and say, okay, I'm thinking about selling another property to the point that, you know, by the time I was done, we ended up purchasing five. So following up is like really, really, really important. Do you have a system that you use to remind yourself to follow up? Sometimes I do. Like my website, there's a way that you can, I guess it's like the back end of it, I can kind of put in, okay, two months from now or three months from now, there's pop up a reminder to tell me. Or like for him, I know that he has like several, several properties. So I just really have him at the top of my radar to make sure that I follow up. Like I have him on my Christmas list. Like I just, you know, just different things that I do throughout Mm -hmm. the year. He's on that list so that, you know, he definitely hears from me several times a year. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) With some trepidation, we move forward. First though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Are you a real estate investor and you're trying to do it all yourself? Then you got to stop the insanity, my friend and go hire virtually. Virtual Office VA is a US-based and trained real estate virtual assistant company. They can free up your time. You can go to their website, learn what they're all about, and go sign up for a virtual assistant. Go to virtualofficeva.com. That's virtualofficeva.com. All right, what's the best ever book you've read? I really like the book of Proverbs in the Bible. Because I feel like you read Proverbs, it's equivalent to reading like 10,000 success books. I've heard that from multiple people recently. (laughs) It is. 
is. It's like each success book is just really expanding on like a verse in Proverbs. So if you read Proverbs, like you've read like 10,000 books. Best ever deal you've done? Probably I would say the five houses from the one owner. Best ever way you like to give back? Lately what I've been doing because people have been sending me like my email is over flooded and what I started doing was I started a YouTube channel time for investing and I've been really posting videos and answering questions and really helping people out and now I get people comment or email that you know hey I've been watching your videos and it helped me I just closed on a deal so that's what I've been doing to like really give back just to offer what I learn and how I wholesale and buy rental properties and things like that So I think that's a great way for me to give back at this point. What's the biggest mistake you've made on a deal? Probably I would say, I'm trying to think, because I haven't really lost money, I would say. But I guess what I probably have done is to definitely, when you get your HUD one before, you know, closing on any house, is now I ask them if they can give me the HUD one or the closing documents the day before so that I can really go through it because I've had times where they have calculated my wholesale fee and those type of things incorrectly and then they wire incorrect amounts. After closing, what I've learned, the settlement company, once they wire those funds out, those funds are gone. So if they wire too much money to the seller of the property, you're kind of stuck and you have to go to the seller to get your money back because you're going to be at the mercy of them because now they sent them too much money. So that's what I would say. The biggest mistake is not catching that those numbers are incorrect before the funds are wired. Like you really can't trust the settlement company to make sure that those numbers are correct. Great advice. And thank you for sharing that. What is the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? Definitely my YouTube channel, Time for Investing, or if you search for Neva Williamson on YouTube, it will come up because I get on there in the comments and I answer questions that people ask. So that's where I'm most active these days. Neva, thank you for being on the show, talking about your experiences in investing and the got the rug pulled out from under you experience at your previous job and just how quickly things can change as an employee and what you've done since then with wholesaling, doing the buy and holds in Brooklyn, which coincidentally the first place was, you know, actually now I'm thinking of it, 2006 is when you bought it. I was living there in 2006, so you bought it the year I was living there. But anyway, also the lessons learned about wiring funds instead of getting checks and then a lesson in self-control because some people myself included perhaps would have gotten violent with the bank if they weren't going to cash my check for forty thousand dollars and they said it was fake they would have shaved a year off my life so i i would have gotten them in that would it would have pissed me off that's for sure but then also the hud one and getting the closing statement before and then the lessons learned with your eviction process in New York compared to Virginia. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Take care. Are you a real estate investor and you're trying to do it all yourself? Then you got to stop the insanity, my friend. 
and go hire virtually. Virtual Office VA is a U.S.-based and trained real estate virtual assistant company. They can free up your time. You can go to their website, learn what they're all about, and go sign up for a virtual assistant. Go to virtualofficeva.com. That's virtualofficeva.com.